You are listening to Melbourne Lights Church Weekly Podcast. It's amazing when the Lord starts speaking before you get up to preach a prepared preach. So in our in the pre-service prayer, the uh, word came through about the priesthood and how Holy Spirit is, is wanting to activate his priesthood. How many of you believe that? That the Lord is activating his priesthood like never before. And we, we pray for revival. I don't know if you're praying for revival. I'm always praying for revival. There's all these revivals popping up globally. There was one in Kentucky uh, not too long ago at a, at a college campus in the U.S. Very obscure place in a Christian campus and just watching, you know, just the, the, the presence of God pour out upon some obscure students. And, and all of the, the professional Christians were trying to fly in and, and, and add, add their little, you know, um, piece to to what God was doing there, and what I loved is that the school didn't allow it. You know, all the professional worshipers, all the professional preachers who wanted to fly in and you know add their little something to it. And it, it's amazing when we just take our hands off of what God wants to do, and you allow Him to do what He wants to do, and we are just this this vessel that allows God to to use us in in very significant ways. And how many of you know that the Lord wants to use you in a significant way? I think uh, we, we love this understanding of the priesthood of all believers, um, but it, it, is, it is one thing to have an understanding or even a desire or even subscribe to the doctrine of the priesthood of all believers, but it's a different thing to believe that God wants to use you as a priest. And I've learned that in my walk with Jesus, that my church might be about evangelism, but that doesn't mean I'm about evangelism. You know, my church might be about uh, uh, this, Jesus Christ being the central theme and focus of, of the church. But that doesn't mean that I am about that. Um, it, it, my church might be about the word of God, but it doesn't mean that I am about the word of God. And it's the same thing with the priesthood of all believers. It just, we might love the, the understanding and the privilege of the priesthood of all believers, but that doesn't mean that, that I personally am living that out in my own life. And uh, we, we were singing about the veil being torn. And, and, and that is the privilege of the priesthood of all believers. The veil was torn at the crucifixion. We're coming out of that Easter season, and we should have a, a pretty a strong understanding of what that means. For those of you who, who might not know, during the crucifixion, in the temple, this veil that was placed in the temple that that contained the presence of God during the crucifixion, that veil was torn from top to bottom, meaning it was initiated by God. It wasn't initiated by man. It was initiated by God. And that presence, when that veil torn, the presence of God was unleashed for all men to experience, and women, mankind, humankind. Uh, let me use some inclusive language. I'm from LA, I'm from LA so I'm supposed to do that. Um, so... But for every person to have access, access to the presence of God. Look at someone next to you and say, you have access. You have access. What a privilege to have access to the presence of God in an uncontrolled way. But the question is, do we access the presence of God? We have the access. Access, but do we activate that access that we have been given? So I, I'm going to be uh, speaking about the priesthood of all believers. 
I believe that the priesthood is the greatest force outside of God himself, Jesus, the Father, and Holy Spirit, that God is wanting to use to usher in his kingdom here on earth. The church, the church, the, this, this priesthood of all believers, just, just think about it. We, we do so many things in, in the life of our local churches to activate people. I hear of the beautiful things that Melbourne Lights is doing to get into, onto the streets and to witness and to preach and to lay hands on the sick. And, and, and that's a beautiful expression of the priesthood being activated. And if you just think about that, if, if these, these things that, that the leadership here at Melbourne Lights and same with us at Restoration Los Angeles, we are trying to activate our priesthood. And so we're saying, hey, let's go out into the streets. Let's lay hands on the sick. Let's witness to the poor. Let's do all we can. But some, sometimes those activation points become programs. And so what starts out with so many being excited about it and so many attending and, you know, you start out with, with dozens and dozens and then as, as those activation points continue, you just see the people getting less and less as we continue to try to go out. And those aren't used to be programs. They're used to be active activation points where we're showing you, you can do this in your everyday life. You can do this in your workplace, in your schools. You can do this in, in, at your family reunions. You can do it while you're on holiday. You can do it while you're on the streets. These aren't supposed to be programs. They're supposed to be activation points. And if you just, if we think about that, you know, if we go out once a month as a church to witness to our cities, that's amazing. But can you imagine if the priesthood went out every day? Yeah. Not just once a month as a program, not just, you know, bi-monthly as, as we do this together. As a priesthood. Psalms 121 tells us that God does not sleep and he does not slumber. And God is preeminent in all we do. As the high priest, we are serving under the high priest. If you're a shepherd here, you are serving underneath the shepherd, right? As, as, as those who have been given the power to lay hands on the sick and heal, he is the, is, is the chief surgeon, right? As the army of God, we might be the boots on the ground, but he is the commander and chief, right? He is preeminent in all things. And as we think about ourselves as the priesthood of of all believers, we must understand that there is a high priest who goes before us. There's a high priest. And I love the privilege of being a priest underneath this high priest, a priest in this household of God. And we're, we're going to be reading from 1 Peter chapter 2 today. Like being children of God, the priesthood of all believers gives us a corporate identity. We are all children of God, but we are also all priests in the household of God. And this identity not only gives us privilege, but it also gives us purpose. I love interaction, so tell someone next to you, hey, you have purpose this morning. You have purpose this morning. The key to this understanding in 1 Peter chapter 2 is verse, is verse 9. We're gonna, I'm going to read verse 9. We'll launch from verse 9, and then we'll go back and read most of this chapter um, in chapter 2. Is that okay with you? Yeah. All right. So, but you are a chosen race. You are a chosen race. A royal priesthood. A holy nation. 
a people for his own possession. You are God's own possession that you, listen, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of the darkness into his marvelous light. How many of you have been called out of the darkness this morning? The old covenant priest had a whole lot of criteria to be a priest. They had to be from the tribe of Levi and descendants from Aaron, the brother of Moses. They were consecrated to serve in the tabernacle and later in the temple, where they performed various duties, such as offerings, sacrifices, leading prayers, and teaching the law to the people. For the new covenant priest, access and anointing are no longer exclusive. Access and anointing is inclusive. It's inclusive for who? For all that believe. All that believe. And for those who believe, we must understand that there is a responsibility to this access and this anointing. When we look at the Old Testament, we can see how some priests go astray. Uh, we look at uh, uh, Phinehas and, and Hophni, the sons of Eli, who were priests who took advantage of their priestly position. We also see the same in Samuel's, um, the son, uh, Samuel's sons who would fall into the same type of transgressions. But Peter, uh, here, uh, as, as an apostle, is writing to the church. And so I want to go through this chapter and, and just kind of give us some groundwork on, on what God, I believe, is calling his priesthood into this season. Are you with me? So, Lord, we come before you as we engage your holy word. I'm so thankful for every person in this place. I believe in ordained moments, ordained times and places, and I believe that every person in this room listening to this message, Lord, has something from you for them specifically. We pray as your holy word goes forth, Lord, that my words will be your words. I pray that your word will penetrate hearts and minds, break chains, activate your sons and daughters into the purposes that you are calling them into and this season and beyond. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So chapter 2, verse 1 starts like this. So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander. Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. How many of you have tasted that the Lord is good? I have tasted that the Lord is good. Peter is, is talking to the church. He's not speaking to the unchurched. He is speaking to the believers. And he's telling them, put away these things. Malice, the desire to harm someone. Good Lord. Deceit, the practice of deception and concealing. Hypocrisy, the practice of claiming to have biblical standards that your life does not match. Envy, resentful longing for another's position. Slander, making statements to damage another's reputation. In the church? No. <laughs> but listen to this. Peter's encouragement in, in, in verse 2, if needed, go back to the basics. Long for pure spiritual milk. Long for pure spiritual milk. If you're struggling with all of these things that you should not be struggling with because you're the church now. 
You, you belong to the household of God. You shouldn't be struggling, but if you are, then go back to the basics. Spiritual milk. Take in, go back and be nurtured again, once again by God. What is spiritual milk? Go back to the love of God. Go back to loving others. Going back to love your enemies. Go back to being a good neighbor. Go back to doing unto others as you would have them do unto you. Go back to if someone asks you for your shirt, give them your jacket too. If someone slaps you on your cheek, turn the other cheek. All of these lessons that, that you might have learned in, in children's church. Go back to the basics. Go back to the basics. Go, go back to, to what you learned at first. Peter says this. Why? So that you may grow up into salvation. So that you can grow up into salvation. Peter's encouragement to the church, listen, friends, is an invitation to maturity. An invitation into maturity, growing up in your salvation. This is what we understand about the doctrine of sanctification. Not only are we saved, but we are being saved. So I'm not just saved, I am being saved. God is is conforming me more to the image of Christ as I am allowing the Holy Spirit's work to regenerate me. We should be excited about that. God is not finished with us yet. Look at someone next to you and say, God's not finished with you. Wives, be careful. It's an invitation into maturity. And listen to to verse 4 in this chapter. As you come to him, and I love the language, As you come to him, this is your free will response. Your free will response as you come to him. Just like you had to come to him for salvation. It was your free will response to understand that I am a sinner needing forgiveness for the sins that I have lived under. To break this sinful nature over my life. My free will response to accept Jesus Christ as Lord is the same free will response we need to walk into maturity. And yet somehow we, we, we think that like God is going to strong arm us into maturity. It is your free will response that brings you to maturity. And this is what Peter was telling the church, the church that was struggling with malice and deceit and hypocrisy and slander. As you come to him, as you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious You yourselves, like living stones, I love this. We we are a reflection of the living stone. The one living stone. We are now like living stones, Christ-like Christian. We are like living stones. We are being built up as a spiritual house. This is prophetic language, people. We are being built up as a spiritual house. He's talking to, to, to all those who were struggling with malice and deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander. And he's telling them we are being built up as a spiritual house. To be a holy priesthood. A set apart priesthood. Now in Spanish that word holy is, is santo. And, and santo, it, it seems like a little extra religious, you know, uh, like you, you come from like the word saints. You know, so like, so when you think holy and you say santo, it's like, 
that's a little out there, you know? It's like, and I think sometimes when we think about holy, we, we reject the notion of it. I'm not holy. And yet God says to be holy because I am holy. And we have to use the language that fits. Be set apart because I am set apart. There is no other God like me. There is no other God before me. I am holy. Therefore, be holy. Be set apart. And when I look at each other, I'm like, I don't know how holy this guy is. But are you set apart? Are you set apart for the works of Jesus? Are you set apart by a holy God? You are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. Why? To offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. See, before we didn't have that access. Before someone used to have to make sacrifices on our behalf, we would have to go to the priests and, and then they would have, um, actually offer the sacrifices to God on our behalf because we weren't holy enough to do it. But now we have access to go directly to God to offer sacrifices that are acceptable to him. What a privilege. What a privilege that now when we fall short, we can go before the throne room of heaven and repent on our own before God because we have an intercessor in Christ Jesus who is interceding on our behalf. Isn't that a beautiful thing? Living stones, building up a spiritual house. Listen, this is our holy identity, a spiritual house, a holy priesthood. This is our holy function. And then to offer spiritual sacrifices, this is our holy work. To live sacrificial lives for King Jesus. This, this is our holy work. Verse 6, for it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone. If you, if you may be in 80s church, you might remember, I lay in Zion. Me and Paul would know it. <laughs> Paul, Paul's... Paul's a little bit younger than me, but we're, we're. I'm glad LED didn't say that I was in the senior group around here. So, I think LED needs to travel to every nation and lay hands on every announcement person in every church on the planet. Her anointing for announcements is supernatural, my Lord. Behold, I am laying in Zion a cornerstone chosen and precious. And whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. Thank you, Lord. Whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe. For you who believe, the honor is ours. But for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. How many of you remember Jesus being a stumbling block for you? When we disobeyed and when the word of God was, wasn't, this, wasn't this window that we viewed the world by, it was a mirror that reflected our sinful nature and we had to come to grips with the fact that we were an unholy people, we were a dark people, and it was a stumbling block for us. It's offensive when, you're, when you don't believe. The word of God is offensive. I mean, just think about all the depths of Scripture. When, 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 when a pastor preaches on tithing and you're not a tither, it's offensive. 
When the pastor preaches about gossip and you struggle with gossip, it's offensive. The pastor preaches on lust and you're struggling with lust, it's offensive. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. The cornerstone. Jesus is a cornerstone for those who believe. Precious cornerstone. The one who holds everything together, the foundation of it all, the central theme and focus of this spiritual house, but a rock of offense for those who don't believe. A stumbling block because Jesus is that mirror that they have to look into. Jesus, the Son of God, perfection, staring right back at them. When the unholy are confronted with a holy God, it is absolutely bound to be a struggle. What a contrast. The contrast that the the, the Lord is not building a house of malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander. Instead, he is building a house built upon the cornerstone, Jesus. This spiritual house is made of living stones. Those who who are reflecting the very nature of Jesus. He, He is the living stone, but we are like living stones, like Jesus, for those who believe. For those who don't believe, the cornerstone isn't a firm foundation. He is a rock of offense. The word of God is always offensive for the immature and for the disobedient. And the apostle Peter is, is, is trying to draw the church into maturity through his encouragement and through this understanding, this building, laying down this doctrine of the priesthood of all believers. And he's giving them this, this wonderful contrast between this is what you, what you once were, but this is what you can be. This is, who, is how you were living, but this is what Jesus is raising you up to live like. And so then there's a shift in the passage, and it starts with verse 9, which we, we started with. But you are a chosen race. Peter begins to get prophetic. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of his very own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies, excellencies of him who call you out of darkness into the marvelous light. What a picture. What a picture. From being people who weren't living for Jesus to being people who were called, sanctified by Jesus. And why? Why are you this? So that you may proclaim, say proclaim. Proclaim. Purpose. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of his very own possession. Not just because, for a purpose. For a purpose, so that you may proclaim, and that word proclaim there is the word we get from evangelism. It's only used twice. This very specific word is only used twice. Once here, once in Mark 16, 20, so that you will proclaim, so that you will declare the gospel, the good news of Jesus, the excellencies of him who called you out of the darkness into his marvelous light. This is why we are a royal priesthood. This is the holy work that we have been called to. Before he's talking to the church, you are a slanderous, deceiving, hypocritical people. But now you proclaim the excellencies of Jesus. 
Before you were this, now you are proclaiming the excellencies of Jesus. Verse 10 says this, once you were not a people. Do you remember when you weren't a people? Do you remember when you didn't belong to Jesus? Maybe there's someone in the room today who doesn't feel like they belong to Jesus. And I'm telling you, today is your day. Once you were not a people, and I'm telling you, if you don't know that you belong to Jesus, every one of us in this room once didn't know that we belong to Jesus. Once you were not a people, but listen to this, but now you are God's people. What a declaration. What a truth to stand on. Once you weren't a people, now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. How many of you are thankful for the mercy of Jesus over your life? And that word mercy is you did not receive the punishment that you deserved. That's mercy. Grace is unmerited favor. Mercy is not receiving the punishment that you deserved. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Thank you, Jesus. If anyone knew this well, it was Peter. It was Peter. Peter writing this letter. This is strong language. He's, you know, put away the slander, put away the deceit, put away the hypocrisy. He, he, the people listening and reading could have very well felt judged. Who do you think you are to talk to us like this, Peter? Oh, the apostle Peter. The one who walked with Jesus. Peter knew this well. Peter, who was once named Simon. Simon, meaning a reed. If you know what a reed is, a reed is like a, like a bamboo shoot. When bamboo is standing in the wind and that wind blows, what does a bamboo do? do? It's, it, just, it just sways with the wind. Peter, who was moved with the change of the wind, but then, because of his revelation of Jesus, Jesus gave him a new identity. You will no longer be Simon, the reed who blows with the wind. You are going to be Peter, Petros, the rock, the solid mineral that is on a firm foundation. This is your new identity. You will no longer be Simon. You will be Peter. Once you were not a people, but now you are a people. Once you were Simon, but now you're going to be Peter. Peter knew this truth. Simon, who once denied Christ three times to save his own skin at the trial of Jesus, would become Peter, who preached at Pentecost, and thousands would come to know Jesus. Thousands. Peter, whose shadow would begin to heal people when he walked by. Peter, who would be crucified upside down. For his Savior, Peter. Once we were not a people, but now we are God's people. Once we had not received mercy, but now we have received God's mercy. Verse 11, beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which war against your soul. Keep your conduct amongst the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. On the day of visitation. Abstains from the passions of your flesh because your flesh is at war with your soul. Live a life above reproach. 
Let your Christ-like good deeds be seen by the world around you until Jesus returns. This is the life of the new priesthood. This is the life of the new priesthood, the priesthood of all believers. And so we see this great privilege of being a a priest in the household of God. All have equal value before God. All have equal access before God. And we should say yes and amen to all of that. That's the privilege of being in the priesthood. But the price, I really believe, is what's needed to activate the priesthood in today's age. To recognize not only the privilege that comes with the priesthood, but the price that comes with the priesthood. If the privilege tells us we all have equal value, we all have equal access, then the price tells us, listen, friends, that we all have equal responsibility before God. Equal access and equal value also means we have equal responsibility. And your function might be different than my function, but it's still equal responsibility. Priests in the old covenant lived a holy existence, set apart existence. They lived and they breathed the set apart worship of Yahweh. Priests lived sacrificial lifestyles, ridding themselves of worldly pleasures. Priests taught and instructed. Priests cared for the sick. Priests made sacrifices on behalf of others. This is what the priesthood does. Deuteronomy chapter 33, verse 10 says, they teach your regulations, your regulations to Jacob and they give your instructions to Israel. They present incense before you and offer whole burnt offerings on the altar. Friends, I believe this is a season for the priesthood to rise up. For the priesthood of all believers to rise up. An activation for the priesthood of all believers. Not only for the privilege of equal access to the throne room of God, but a priesthood willing to accept their God-given responsibilities to proclaim the excellencies of him who has called them out of the darkness into the marvelous light. The good news of Jesus. In In the U.S., we have professional athletes who reject the responsibility that they carry as, as public figures. I don't know if they have the same here, but it's, and so some, some of these athletes will say, I am no role model. Don't look to me. I, I'm no role model. Like, you know, that, that, don't look to me to be an example. You know, you're, you know, you raise your kids. Don't let your kids look at me as, 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 as an example. As a priesthood of all believers, we are to be, be a reflection of the high priest. And as people look to the priesthood and they look to us, we need to be able to carry the the same conviction that the apostle Paul carried when he says, follow me as I follow Christ. Another version would say this, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And I think of how many Christians would say, don't imitate me. Don't look to me. But you're a royal priesthood. You're a chosen race. You're a holy nation. 
You have been set apart by God. Being transformed into the image of the one who sacrificed his life on a cross so, so that you can be reconciled to your heavenly father. We are a reflection of King Jesus here on this earth. We have to be carrying that same revelation that the Apostle Paul carried. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. And this comes, honestly, friends, with the life of obedience and us carrying this revelation that we are a royal priesthood. This is the responsibility that we carry. The church has presented herself to the world in so many ways throughout our history as, as a bride, as an army, as a hospital, as a family, and as a body. And these are all beautiful pictures of the church. But I'm telling you, when we carry the revelation that we are a priest within the spiritual house of God, I'm telling you, the, those things are going to get greater and they're going to get far more numerous when we carry a personal revelation and we're not relying on our corporate identity to project who we are, we are living the life of a holy priesthood. Peter's encouragement to the church that was struggling was to grow up into salvation. And the picture of that maturity that he gave the church was this royal priesthood. And the prophetic words that he spoke over this church was giving them new identity, giving them new purpose in Christ Jesus. And this is what I want to leave with you, church. You are a chosen race. Why don't you just maybe close your eyes for a moment if you're willing to. You are a chosen race. I don't know if you find much identity in your ethnic background. But when we came to Jesus, our ethnic allegiance transferred to heaven. You are a chosen race. You are a royal priesthood. And I don't know how royal you feel. But I pray that you know that the price that was paid for your life was greater than any price that could have ever been paid for anything through all eternity. You are a holy nation set apart by God. A people of his very own possession. You belong to King Jesus. <laughs> With each of these things, church, comes privilege and responsibility. And I am praying as an encourager who is called to equip saints for the works of service that you will walk in your God-given identity spelled out here in 1 Peter 2.9 so that you can proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of the darkness into his marvelous light. Melbourne lights, you can no longer hide your light underneath a bowl. 
And I'm not talking about Melbourne Lights corporately. You. I love all the signs for each kids group. Mini lights. Each and every one of you carrying a light has been called by God to proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of the darkness into his marvelous light. This is your God-given responsibility as, as a priesthood. Do you carry that? Do you carry that? Lord, I just pray. I pray over this body, this local body called Melbourne Light, situated here in Melbourne, Australia. Lord, I am thankful for the foundations that have been laid in, throughout the life of this church. Lord, I am thankful for every prophetic word that has been spoken over this corporate body. But Lord, in this season, I believe that you are, are, are causing a shaking amongst your church, your entire church, your global church, and this local church is a part of it. And I believe an activation of the priesthood is what is going to bring about global revival across this world, God. And for this nation, I believe it starts in the local church. It starts in the hearts of your priesthood of knowing who they are in you, knowing what you have called them to by the power of your spirit at the expense of your blood. King Jesus, I pray for an activation in the priesthood. Lord, those who have been sitting on the sidelines those who maybe haven't understood their place in the life of the body, those who, who, who might be thinking that they need to emulate you know, the giftings of others. Lord, I, I just pray by the power of your spirit, Lord, that giftings are released like never before in the life of this church, that people aren't finding their identity in their gifting. They're finding that it's a tool that they use for the service of their king. Their identity is that they're children. There's no greater identity that we carry than sons and daughters in the kingdom. But we are also priests. And as priests, we are given a God-given responsibility, a holy responsibility. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I believe there's some in this room who have been sidelined for far too long. You've been asking the Lord, Lord, when's my, when's my turn? When's, when's, when's my chance? And the Lord's telling you this, this morning, now. It's now. It's now. It's now. And you might be thinking, well, it, it happens. It's going to happen here in the life of the church. But let me tell you, this is, this is what's significant about the new covenant priesthood. Is that our operations go beyond the church walls. It goes beyond the church walls. The old covenant priests, the old covenant priests, their, their functions were within, were within the temple walls. Our functions go beyond the, the, the temple walls, beyond the church walls. So I just pray a release, God. Yeah. If you want to receive that, why don't you just stand this morning? If you want to receive that, I just pray a release, God. I pray a release over your priesthood. Set apart by you, called by you anointed by you, complete access to your presence, complete access to everything that the Holy Spirit has for everyone in this place, God. Giftings, anointing, Jesus' name. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. I pray a release, God. A release of those who have struggled with their identity in you. I just washed them with the priesthood in Jesus' name. You are a chosen people. You're chosen. You are holy by God.
called out of the darkness into the marvelous light. You are called to grow into your salvation. Yes, God, maturity in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. If you have any questions or would like more information, please contact us at melbournelightschurch.com.au.